The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So tonight I'd like to um, talk about awareness. And um, this is going to uh, carry the theme that I've been talking about for the last few weeks of the five faculties. And the five faculties, just to remind you, of those of you who haven't been here, um, are five qualities of mind that gradually strengthen and grow as we cultivate our um, mindfulness practice. And they are the tools, essentially, or they're the qualities of mind that really support our meditation practice. They support our... um, ability to be present, they support the growth of the skill of meditation. We could think about meditation as being a skill and that these are the um, qualities that support that skill. And these five qualities are confidence. And as, you, as, I, as I name these, you can potentially reflect in your mind about how these five qualities would support the cultivation of any skill. So confidence, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. Where wisdom in this case is wisdom about um, the goal or the aim of our practice. What, what, what is it that we're exploring? What is it that we're um, trying to understand? What is the, uh, the direction of our practice? Which, from the Buddha's perspective, is, um, is about understanding why we get caught, why we struggle, why we suffer in our lives, and how we can um, become free of the ways that we struggle and suffer. As If we're cultivating another skill, of course, the wisdom would be very different, right? If you're learning how to drive a car, the wisdom is going to be about what the rules of the road are and how to navigate the vehicle. In this case, the skill of meditation, the, uh, the wisdom is about understanding our own minds, turning towards our own internal life and getting familiar with what's happening inside of our hearts and minds. Now, um, the, the way that this kind of overlaps or merges with this topic of awareness that I'd like to talk about tonight, um, this uh, reflection that I'm going to offer tonight grows out of a question that I asked one of my teachers hmm, about a year and a half ago. I was um, sitting a retreat with him, a two-week retreat with him. Saido Utejaniya is his name. He's a Burmese meditation teacher. And um, he uses the word awareness a lot. And that word is not particularly... Um, used to translate any one word from the um, teachings of the Buddha. Different teachers will use that term in different ways. Some teachers will use it to mean mindfulness. You know that we talk about being mindful or being aware. Some people will use that term to um, talk about the kind of basic consciousness of our minds the kind of the faculty of our minds that knows whether or not we're aware of it, whether or not, take that word out of the picture, whether or not we consciously recognize that knowing, it's happening all the time. Whether or not we're mindful of what's going on in our minds, there is a form of knowing that's happening. And some people use awareness to mean that, that basic form of knowing. And sometimes people use the, um, the word awareness to mean a kind of a natural functioning of the mind. Just the, uh, the, the way all of the various parts of the mind work together. And so I asked my teacher, Sayara Utejaniya, well, what do you mean by awareness? You know, what, what do you mean? Because... You know, it's not, it's not something that I had heard him define before. And I thought that he was pretty much using it to mean mindfulness. You know, that that was the, the, the main way it seemed that he was using the term. 
But in this question that I asked him, I said, it seems like there's a lot of different experiences that I would call awareness. Um, you know, sometimes it feels like the awareness is very clear um, and it's just simply knowing what's happening kind of automatically. Sometimes it feels like I'm having to work to be aware. And I, I named a couple of other ways, and I'll mention some of those later in the talk if we have time. Um, and, and he gave a kind of an interesting answer. I thought it was an interesting answer. He said, well, what I mean when I say awareness is the way these five faculties of confidence, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom are working together in the mind. So that the, um, the different experiences, essentially, that I described, he said, the different experiences you describe um, of, of awareness have to do with how strong various ones of these faculties are in your mind. And so I'll take a few minutes to... Um, to describe these five faculties briefly and then talk a little bit about how they work together in this um, practice of being aware, how, how they work together for us. So faith or confidence, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. The first is usually faith. Um, this is a um, kind of a sense of a willingness to engage, a confidence that we have the, the capacity, the tools to meet our experience. The confidence in our own ability to engage with our own mind, to be present, to be alert, to be aware of what's happening in our experience. The confidence in the the tools, the confidence in the the teachings that the Buddha offered, Um, the wisdom. We have to kind of start with wisdom in a way because what are we having confidence in? It is the the teachings of the Buddha and our ability to apply them, essentially. So the teachings around suffering, the teachings around... um, how to turn towards our experience and be with our experience. So confidence in that and the willingness to put it into practice because ultimately what the Buddha taught is not just something to listen to and feel good about hearing. It's about picking them up as tools and engaging with it, working with it. So... There's a kind of a a willingness to try, a willingness to, I sometimes talk about it, run the experiment. You know, the the Buddha said, for instance, you know, turn towards your difficult emotions and see if you can allow them, open to them, meet them, be with them, um, neither repressing them nor acting on them, and see what happens that he, he uh, encouraged us that that kind of awareness helps us to understand and learn about those difficult states of mind and ultimately allows them to begin to release. And so, you know, hearing a teaching like that, my first hit of that was, well, how good is that? What good is that going to do? What good is it going to do to turn and pay attention to my difficult states of mind? Won't it just make them worse? Won't it just make them stronger? But I was willing to try. I was willing to see. Well, let's see what happens if I try that. And very quickly, that uh, willingness was verified with a little bit of space, a little bit of ease around those difficult states. It, It took me by surprise that actually making that turn, doing that, taking that action, was very helpful. It gave me quite a bit of room where I had been so stuck and caught in my mind. So that's faith, this confidence, uh, willingness to engage, and the sense that we have the capacity to engage. Then there's energy. And this is energy directed towards the practice, energy directed towards the activity of... um, being mindful, 
cultivating a persistent kind of awareness. So the, the energy is directed towards, again, this wisdom that the Buddha offered. It's not just energy in any old way. It's energy directed towards our practice, energy directed towards an, another simple bit of wisdom that the Buddha offered. You know, see if you can let go of thoughts around um, uh, a difficult pattern and turn towards the experience of it instead. So again, this, this turning towards our experience rather than being caught in the... Uh, our usual way of dealing with difficulty to try to uh, figure out what's wrong in the world, figure out how to fix or change or um, do something in the world, turning towards and said, how does it feel to be a human being in this situation? So the energy directed towards that. We cultivate energy through a simple persistence, just a gentle meeting of our experience over and over again. We cultivate uh, uh, energy through interest. This is a really helpful tool for cultivating energy. If we get interested in our mind, get interested in our difficult states, as opposed to having a combative or conflicted relationship with our difficult states, it gets much easier to to make that turning, to turn towards and to be with our experience. So the uh, interest, if you can, you know, just even just drop in this notion of what is it like to be a human being that's feeling this right now, as opposed to how can I get rid of this right now? So bringing that sense of interest for the investigation. One key piece about energy um, Much of the time, especially early in our practice, um, we have to engage. We have to, like, pick up our uh, energy and make some effort. We, We need to direct our attention towards our experience. We need to choose to let go of our habitual ways of going out into the world to, like, Like, for instance, with anger, we tend to pay attention to the thing we're angry about rather than the experience of anger itself. So to to, uh, shift that habitual energy, the habitual way our energy uh, acts is to go out into the world that way. To make a shift of our energy, it, it often takes some effort initially, especially. So initially we do need to apply some kind of... um, what my teacher Sayadu Utejaniya calls personal effort. It is an effort that is consciously worked with, consciously picked up. The more that um, uh, we make this effort, and the, the way of making effort is really, uh, it's kind of counterintuitive in a way, when we think of applying effort to get something or accomplish something, you know, often we have this kind of full bore ahead, you know, I'm going to, you know, really make this effort, I'm going to do this thing. And that mindset of I'm going to really do this doesn't quite work with our mindfulness practice. The level of effort that we need to make is just a little bit for a second just enough attention, just enough effort to be present with what's happening for just a moment, and then do it again, and then again, and again, and again. So it's a little bit of effort over and over and over and over again, a light touch of effort. That's that uh, gentle persistence. That's the kind of effort that serves us in our mindfulness practice. And as we make that gentle, persistent effort, what seems to happen is that it's like it gets the ball rolling. You know, it's like, you know, pedaling the wheels on a bicycle. You pedal a little bit, you make the effort to pedal, and then after a while, you don't have to pedal so hard. The, 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 there's a momentum of energy 
that carries the bicycle forward. And likewise, as we um, make this gentle, persistent effort, what happens is a kind of an, a momentum of energy begins to build. That momentum of energy that is um, merged with mindfulness begins to build, and we don't have to try so hard. We don't have to consciously make that little bit of effort moment after moment after moment. We kind of can ride the wave of the energy and the mindfulness. This is where um, energy or our practice begins to feel a little bit more effortless. Some of you may have experienced that at times, a, a sense where the you know, you've, you've sat down and you started and it's like, yep, every breath, having to pay attention to it. And then after a little while, it begins to feel a little bit more easeful and it's just more natural to be with the breath. This is where the energy is gaining its momentum. And the mindfulness gains momentum with it. So the, um, this my teacher calls Dharma effort. This is, it's still effort, it's still energy that's being applied, but it doesn't feel like I have to do it anymore. It's happening. It's happening because of causes and conditions. It's happening because of the momentum. So then there's mindfulness. Um, I've talked a little bit about mindfulness tonight already. This is the remembering awareness in the present moment. It is the um, knowing what's happening while it's happening. There's a distinction that I want to make between mindfulness and attention because this is an area, one of the ways in which as all these faculties work together, this is one of the ways in which the feeling of awareness is different depending on whether we're choosing an object for our attention or settling back and kind of receiving the uh, experience, receiving the attention, receiving the uh, flow of experience. So attention is a factor of mind that allows the mind to pick some experience. And we do this a lot in meditation. We choose to to bring our attention to the breath, for example. We direct our attention to the breathing. This is um, using the factor of attention. There's a, a way, for instance, I can right now help you direct your attention, you know, pay attention to the sensations of your hands. Pay attention to the sensation of your hips touching the chair or cushion or bench. So there's that choice, you know, that the attention can be directed to various experiences, I could say. Open your attention to hearing. And then often you're aware of that ear door. You're aware of the experience coming in the ear door. So there's the the conscious way that we can direct the attention. We can choose what we want to pay attention to. And very often, uh, I think, at least I know that for myself, in my early days of practice, um, I thought if I wasn't directing the attention, I wasn't being mindful. And the um, mindfulness can also be present, whether if we're rather than choosing what to pay attention to, instead we kind of settle back and not consciously choose what to pay attention to, but instead allow the factor of attention to kind of happen on its own. So uh, there's a kind of an agency we can consciously choose to direct the attention, much as we can kind of consciously choose to control the breathing. You know, the breathing's a good analogy here to kind of describe what I'm talking about, because we can either consciously choose breathe in, breathe out, Breathe in, breathe out. Or, if we're not consciously connected to that, the breath will breathe itself. And likewise, with attention, we can consciously pick something to pay attention to. Or if we're not consciously doing that, 
the conditions of our mind and attention itself will pick something to pay attention to. And we can, in our meditation, kind of settle back and just watch that. Watch what the mind wants to pay attention to. This is generally called open awareness. Choiceless awareness is another term for it. So it's a different kind of form of meditation. So there's the kind of meditation where we choose something and turn our attention to that, and the kind of meditation where we simply receive experience. Allow attention to do its thing, rather than consciously choosing. So in both cases, mindfulness is, is, is operating, whether we are choosing the object of attention or not. Or I should say, in both cases, mindfulness can be operating. <laughs> because there's many times when we're lost in thought, we're spacing out, and actually attention is choosing its objects all by itself, and we are just at its mercy. You know, we're not even aware of what's going on. So this mindfulness is about remembering the present moment, knowing what's happening in the present moment, sometimes choosing what to pay attention to, sometimes receiving what to pay attention to. With the kind of joining of energy and mindfulness, the kind of persistent, that momentum of energy that I talked about, as the persistence and momentum of energy joins with mindfulness, we get a continuity of mindfulness. We'll get a continuity of mindfulness either on one experience, like the breath, or we'll get a continuity of mindfulness in a a kind of a stream of knowing the flow of life. I pointed to that a little bit in the guided meditation, just that the mind, with when, when you kind, of, I, it's kind of like putting the mind into neutral, taking the gears out. You know, you take the you take the gears out, let them spin, and just allow the mind to watch. It's not that you know the processes of body stop or the processes of feeling and thinking and emotion stop. They they keep going, and we can be aware of them. So the the uh, when the momentum of mindfulness builds whether on one experience or in this flow of changing experience, this is concentration, the fourth of the five faculties. Concentration is a kind of a stability of mind. It's a composure, a collectedness. Generally, it manifests as a... uh, The stability is a good word, actually, because... It's, it's like the mind becomes stable. It's not so easy for things that float through, whether random thoughts or sounds or body sensations. It's not so easy for things that float through to kind of knock us off or knock us out of the present moment. The mind becomes much more stable and able to just kind of settle and be with whatever is happening. So the uh, concentration manifests as a kind of a... A non, a, a, there can be a kind of a non-reactivity that begins to happen. That we're able to be present in whether there's pleasant or unpleasant experience. Um, it's, it's not um, easily uh, tilted off balance. So there's a concentration um, with mindfulness comes with a kind of a balance of mind. These aspects together, the um, kind of the direction of our practice, given the instructions, the offerings of the Buddha, the uh, the wisdom of the teachings that he offers. Pay attention to your experience. You know, just that little bit of wisdom. Turn and pay attention to your experience rather than being reactive to it. Just that little bit of wisdom goes a long way, and we can act on that wisdom. So as the, the acting on those wisdom comes through confidence, comes through energy, through mindfulness and concentration, and as we act on that wisdom, as we turn towards our experience, we 
get familiar with what's happening, that wisdom becomes understood in a different way. Uh, so it starts by being, you know, Sayadaw calls it borrowed wisdom. You know, that we, we hear the teachings of the Buddha and we, like, we pick them up and say, well, I'll try that. Let me try it. Let's see what happens. And so we, we work with it. We act with it. We, we engage with it using these tools. And in that process, what we begin to see is the benefit and the value of that for ourselves and why it's helpful. We see perhaps a release, a space around a difficult state of mind. We find ourselves not quite so caught up in it and identified with it. Sometimes we might even see it just vanish in front of our eyes with strong mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. So the tools begin to um, put us into a place of understanding this wisdom of the Buddha for ourselves. We, we know for ourselves the, the value, the benefit of these practices, and that encourages us to have more confidence, engage with more energy, bring mindfulness and concentration to bear on our experience, and more wisdom grows. So it's a, it's a it's very cyclic um, process that we engage in here. So in terms of all of these working together, and uh, what awareness feels like. Um, you know, I, I thought I'd just go through a couple different examples that I'm familiar with of ways that I've seen my mind engaging with experience. And I've, I've mentioned some of them here uh, already. But um, So the first one might be, so there's a difficult experience coming up, frustration, um, coming up at work, for instance. And you may find it... It's like that, that frustration is so strong that it's hard to be with the experience. You can, you can um, maybe meet it every now and then, but you, find, you, you really see that you're caught by it. In that case, what's happening you know, with respect to these faculties is that Wisdom, mindfulness, and concentration are all not terribly strong in that moment. The, 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 um, the realized wisdom is, is, is not strong at all. We may be able to have access to a borrowed wisdom in that moment. That, that can be a really helpful tool to use in that moment, to bring in some... Uh, information that we've heard about, you know, just a simple um, uh, let go of the thoughts and come into the the body. You know, what does it feel like in the body? What does this frustration feel like in the body? Letting go of the thoughts will help. Okay, what is that? What what's happening there? So that may be a tool that would support you in that case. So that's a, a way of bringing a little more wisdom into the situation. We probably need to consciously apply some gentle, persistent effort here, you know, to uh, just try to keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. So that's one one way, you know, you might you might see essentially that when it's really challenging for you, some of these faculties um, are a little weaker. And what are the ones that you have access to? Do you have access to borrowed wisdom at that moment? Do you have access to a gentle persistence? Those are the two. Do you have access to confidence? I can do this. Do you have access to uh, interest? What might it be to turn towards this? You know, all of these things would help to support and cultivate these faculties in that moment. There, there may be another experience, for instance, where there is a challenging experience arising, uh, another difficult mind state, um, loneliness, for instance. 
and you find that it is possible to be with it. In fact, that you know, you find that you can turn towards it and meet that experience, and there's some space around it. You know, it's like, oh, right, this is just loneliness. The mindfulness can meet this, and and you see that the. Um, uh, the kind of the identification or the stickiness to the loneliness goes away as you turn towards the practice, as you turn towards practicing with it. In this case, energy, mindfulness, and concentration are all getting stronger. They're, they're, they're working. The wisdom is, there's some degree of wisdom operating there because the kind of the stickiness to that state is diminished. You know, that you can see, oh, it's just loneliness. You know, it's not, oh, I'm so lonely and I'm always going to be this lonely and it's never going to be, I'm never going to be happy again. You know, the mind isn't caught in that way. So there's wisdom happening in the mind. So that's, there's some um, realized wisdom functioning in that situation. It's not the deepest wisdom With the with a deeper kind of wisdom there, and and you might have seen this. Uh, you know this 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 happens uh, on occasion, um, more often on retreat perhaps, where you are seeing something come up, seeing a state, for instance, of loneliness come up, and you turn towards it, and it vanishes. It just goes away. That's a kind of um, a deeper kind of wisdom that when the mindfulness, the concentration, uh, the energy, the wisdom are strong, then there's no uh, soil in which that mind state can keep taking root. It just withers and blows away because wisdom is getting stronger. So in that case, the wisdom is really what's... uh, Freeing the mind. Wisdom is actually what frees us. We sometimes think it's mindfulness that frees us, but mindfulness is really the tool. We start with wisdom. We start by understanding how to um, engage. You know, we, we get this borrowed wisdom. We hear the teachings and we uh, begin to apply them um, so we borrow the wisdom, and as we do that, it begins to make sense to us, and the uh, wisdom becomes our own. And as that wisdom becomes our own, it begins to really free us. That, that the, when that wisdom is strong, the, um, reactive states of mind greed, aversion, delusion, the self-serving motivations, the aversive motivations, the confused motivations, they just, they don't have anything to, to land in. And then there's, um, as wisdom starts to get stronger, you know, as, as um, the momentum of mindfulness builds and wisdom is stronger, concentration is stronger, we experience times where there's not so much reactivity happening. There's more of a balance of mind. This is, um, this is the, the time when um, we start to have states of mind that, that feel really good in meditation. You know, that those reactive states of mind are not so, uh, they're not bothering us so much anymore. So this can come with strong states of concentration. You know, if we're paying attention to the breath, just staying with the breath and um, just landing on the breath over and over again, sometimes slowly the mind begins to uh, really like the breath and just be really happy to hang out with the breath. And in that place, there's a, a state of seclusion, a state of seclusion from the reactive mind states, essentially. And that feels really good. So this is where concentration is getting stronger. It's possible in that kind of a state for the confidence, the energy, the mindfulness, and the concentration to be quite strong 
as it's absorbed into uh, this one experience of the breath. It's possible for that, those, those to be quite strong. And wisdom to not be so strong. That, um, you know, we, we kind of sink into that space and just, you know, almost indulge or get like really, you know, oh, this feels really good. You know, I think I'll just hang out here for a while. Um, so there's a little bit of that, you know, stickiness or greediness around the state itself. So that the, you know, four of the faculties are quite strong, but the wisdom isn't at its strongest. Now this isn't necessarily a problem. In fact, there are times when it's really helpful to take a break from the whole, you know, exploring all of our states of mind and exploring how things change. Sometimes we can get a little overwhelmed with looking at our minds. And sometimes it's great to just like, let's get it quiet for a little while and let's just hang out in in feeling, you know, peaceful for a little while. That can be really supportive, really helpful for our practice. And ultimately, it is wisdom that frees us, not concentration. And so we do need to... um, Essentially, the thing that will cultivate the wisdom, when the mind is in that kind of a concentrated state, you know, it is in a great place to begin to um, really deeply understand some of the truths the Buddha talked about, just the impermanent nature of everything as a key one. You know, turning towards changing experience would be uh, a way to begin to grow wisdom when concentration is strong. As concentration gets strong in that kind of settled and absorbed way, it ten- things tend to get more and more still, and we're not noticing change as much. And so the way to begin to cultivate the wisdom is to turn towards change turn towards the changing nature of the breath, for instance, or turn towards the changing nature of the state of mind itself. So that's another way that meditation feels with these various faculties working together. You know, the, some of them very strong. Wisdom, not, not like completely checked out of wisdom, but just not as strong as it might be. As wisdom gets really strong, you know, as, as we begin to, in the space of having that continuity, that stability of awareness where we're not so reactive, and we do begin to grow our uh, wisdom through attending to change, we start to deeply, very deeply understand just the impermanent nature of everything that happens to us. It begins to undermine uh, the ways in which we hold on to things. You know, there's this pattern or this program in our mind that's like trying to find the thing that it can hold on to that it will make us happy. It's a very strong program. We seem to be born with it. You know, there's got to be something out there that's going to make me happy. And this turning towards the changing nature of experience begins to undermine that belief that there's anything out there that will ultimately make me happy and instead begins to turn towards a happiness that comes from a releasing of trying to control. It sounds paradoxical. How could could happiness possibly come from releasing releasing control? This is where we perhaps need a leap of faith (laughs) to uh, keep exploring, keep watching, keep witnessing. So as we turn towards changing experience and we gain that wisdom and gain for ourselves the understanding that holding on to experience isn't the way towards happiness, the wisdom really begins to run the show. That uh, wisdom really begins to um, take us on a journey of exploring our experience. Undermining, undercutting the ways in which we identify with things, the ways in which we are reaching out to try to control and manipulate and change things, the ways in which we're um, grabbing onto things that are basically unreliable. Essentially, that is the poignancy of being human, that we are continually trying to find happiness in unreliable things. 
and the wisdom that begins to develop and get very strong in us um, through this practice is that there's no point in holding on to unreliable things. And a deep, deep happiness comes with that recognition and with the letting go of trying to hold on to unreliable things. It's not that we pick up anything else. It's the letting go. In the letting go is the happiness. So in this place where awareness is running the show, where all of these faculties are strong, even in this place, you know, so we can get caught thinking um, mindfulness or awareness or it's supposed to be a certain way when I'm meditating. Um, we get familiar with certain patterns of meditation, perhaps one in which there's not many thoughts happening. You know, that, that that's, a, that's a familiar pattern that begins to happen sometimes with people. You meditate enough, you stumble into these places, these experiences where thoughts get really quiet. And in those places and times, wisdom perhaps may be strong and you're seeing change very clearly. And so you get the sense, the mind you know, kind of gravitates towards that and goes, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's one way that it feels when all of these faculties come together. I don't know that I've exhausted the various ways that it feels when all of these faculties are, come together and are strong. I do know that I keep finding that I, I kind of keep getting caught in a way by trying to, or believing that... Um, somehow the experience that I'm having isn't quite the right one and I'm supposed to be in this other space of not having thoughts, for instance. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's possible actually to be quite mindful while thinking. It's possible to have very clear mindfulness while thinking. So the, um, having the idea, I was, I was at, a, at a retreat at one point, and I saw myself, I saw, as I was walking to my dorm, um, you know, the mindfulness, I was, I was very present and mindful, but there's something, I was in a kind of a more informal meditation practice at that moment, and I was heading towards my room where I was going to do formal meditation practice. I was, I was meditating primarily in my room. And I watched my mind, like, put itself into a space, like trying to become more meditative. It picked up the meditation as a thing and tried to create it. And in, re- in reflection, it, I think what it was is, was a subtle repression of thought. You know, that there, there was some way in which my mind thought, okay, I'm getting ready to meditate. Just get those thoughts out of the way. And seeing that, actually, I was quite mindful already. And saw my mind doing this. It's like, what, what, why do that? I mean, I'm already mindful. What's wrong with this mind state? Why change the mind state when there's already strong mindfulness, strong concentration? So this is a, a kind of an edge for us to begin to um, check out whatever's happening in your experience. If you have the thought, I can't be mindful while this is happening. You know, I can't be mindful while X is happening. I can't be mindful while I'm sleepy, for instance. I can't be mindful while thinking is happening. Then try asking the question, how might it be possible to be mindful while X is happening? It's way more possible than you can imagine. So this, and this has brought me into terrain. This kind of exploration has brought me into so many different new areas of the mind, new uh, ways in which I'm discovering it's possible to be mindful. Possible to be mindful, for instance, in the act of falling asleep and going into sleep into 
a dream and being mindful in the dream. You know, wow, that's possible. That came during one retreat when I was willing to explore the possibility of being mindful while I was sleepy instead of trying to do something to fix the sleepiness. So there's um, so many different ways that uh, our mindfulness, uh, these five faculties come together. Another kind of big one for us is whether it feels like awareness is very precise and clear. You know, sometimes we're paying attention and it's like everything seems to be really sharp. You know, we know exactly what's happening. That's another one that we go, oh, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, again, it's one, it's one of the ways it feels when um, the, the faculties become strong. And if you're going for that experience, you may miss that it's possible to be mindful when things are actually quite vague and fuzzy. If you're trying to fix or change that vague fuzziness to get to sharp clarity, you're missing the possibility, oh, actually... The mind can be completely aware of fuzzy. Wow, that's amazing. So I guess part of the point I want to get across here is to not have any idea that any one state, no matter what it is, I mean, you will come upon states in meditation that are like, oh, this is it. If you hear yourself saying that, reframe it. This is one way (laughs) it can be. And, uh, you know, there's so much suffering that happens around trying to reconstruct (laughs) states of mind like that. So, um, thoughts, questions, ideas. What, What have you noticed in your own practice in terms of different ways that mindfulness feels? Yeah, over here. And could you wait for the mic? I'm a beginner, uh, so I've started recently, and I have very just had a very unusual experience. So I started to meditate, and I was very tired. Uh, but instead of falling asleep, like totally falling asleep, I was like partially sleeping, but partially keeping meditating. Yes, uh-huh. that was very very interesting, <laughs> uh, and I feel absolutely refreshed. Felt refreshed after that. Yeah, it's it's amazing if you if you can. Um, allow that kind of a state rather than fighting with it it can be very refreshing you know that and actually you can be quite quite present in that very kind of uh interim state uh you know it's kind of like being with um uh it's a very pleasant experience too often because the mind the mind as it begins to fall asleep goes into some very pleasant states so you know we we can be really quite clearly present for that and then coming out of that it can be incredibly refreshing so that's a beautiful um example of just this kind of thing that often you know as a beginner sometimes we stumble into these things um <laughs> and uh you know it's uh it's, it's a great pointer for you about the possibilities. You know, it's not the only way it can feel. Um, but it is, it, is a, it is a possibility. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, over here. I've noticed that my physiological responses aren't always what I would expect. So sometimes when I'm meditating, I'll notice that my heart rate is actually picked up. Uh-huh. Um, and sometimes I resist that and I say, well, I must be doing something wrong if my heart rate has gone up. But I, what I've noticed is that if I just let it be and say, okay, my heart rate's gone up, that's okay, then it, it will sometimes just come back down. Yes, naturally. exactly. But if I fight it, then I'm much more uncomfortable. And yes. It's a much more difficult to sit. But if I say, this is just a kind of energy. Uh-huh. What I'm feeling is a kind of energy that I just need to sit with, then it's much more comfortable and, it, and then I experience impermanence. It, and it that's wisdom. You know, that's wisdom at work. That, oh, this is just a kind of energy. You know, that that allows, you know, just even dropping that into your mind helps you to 
oh, it's just like this. Whereas the other is delusion, saying, I must be doing something wrong if, you know, there's delusion at work. And so the, the kind of reframing it helps you to be with it. And you do notice, first of all, I mean, maybe, maybe the heart rate doesn't go down. Maybe it does. But in any case, the, uh, the presence of mind is more uh, able to be there because you're not resisting it. So, yes, that's a great example of just this kind of thing. Thank you. One more. Yes, Sue. Um, I noticed in um, bringing awareness to strong emotions, it's, um, it's a lot. When I bring my mindfulness to, to negative emotions, um, I, like I had a real profound experience of you know, bringing mindfulness to um, anger, um, and then it immediately being, um, you know, not only it just vanishing, but it being immediately replaced by a wholesome emotion. Yes. Uh-huh. And then I lose my mindfulness because it's like I cling to that home f- wholesome emotion rather than, oh, well, now here's compassion. What is that like? Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's amazing what our minds will leap in and cling to. <laughs> just notice that that happens. You know, so... Um, my guess is you don't completely lose mindfulness there, but there is a shift there that there's like, like maybe some excitement happens or something like that. It's like, oh, look at that. You know, sometimes I've seen actually one of the, there's a, there's a term that the Buddha uses, um, which is sometimes translated as proliferation of thought. And it's, um, the term is papancha. And it basically is the mind running amok, you know. And one, one thing that I've seen for myself is that insight, you know, when the mind sees something clearly, sometimes that's one of the key ways that the mind leaps on that and runs amok. You know, it's like insight is one of the leading causes of papancha. A lot in our, in our um, and as we get, begin to get familiar with our insights, that diminishes but we just have to at first notice oh look at that you know the mind mind gets really excited about that yeah thank you for that comment and so we need to stop so thank you for your attention